Yes, good evening. I know this is called Shocker Talk, but we're going to dive into some other issues today. So uh, sit back and enjoy because uh, we're going to talk about some things. Probably a little NBA, some NFL, possibly even some Major League Baseball. But we are going to talk about a plethora of things going on. Might even mention Tiger Woods and his golf mate, Peyton Manning, who happened to have gone up against Phil Mickelson and his golf mate, which would have been Tom Brady, who there is some debate over some saying he's the GOAT. That also has asterisks beside it because of him being a, a patriot all this time. And we all know about Deflate Gate, Spy Gate, and whatever other gate they can put on with it. I also even say Plow Gate. That was the snow game in which the snow plow came out and paved the way for the field goal kicker. So it is what it is. I'm not going to elaborate too much on the match, but I don't know if anyone else found this ironic, but how ironic is it that Bill Mickelson is Tiger Woods' Achilles heel on the golf course, as was Tom Brady was Peyton Manning's Achilles heel on the football field. So you pair Manning and Woods together to go up against their rivals. So my thinking was that's an automatic loss. But I guess Brady and his split pants. Well, we're not going to talk too much about that, but maybe that was a contributing factor to the goat falling short because he Split his bridges. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, But anyway. Let's talk about some things here. Let's. Talk a little NBA. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Everybody knows Shaquille O'Neal. He is very adamant about the NBA season not starting up. And we're going to try to pull up his uh, comments on why he thinks the NBA should not start its season up. And we're going to dive into that here shortly because it's very interesting as to what he has had to say. And I'm pretty sure that as we talk about this, you might find it interesting as well, too.
So, NBA 2020 playoffs. Let's talk about it. Shaquille O'Neal basically says the NBA says the best decision for the NBA would be to scrap the season. To scrap the season. It says the NBA is still working to restart its season after it was suspended in March because of coronavirus. While everyone is looking forward to the season potentially coming back, NBA on TNT analyst and basketball Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal thinks the league should just scrap this season entirely and move on to the next one. In an interview with For the Win, Shaq spoke about how he and his family have been dealing with social distance living, what it would be like playing with no fans and watching the last dance while stuck in the house along with everyone else. He also spoke about a donation that he, Candace Parker, and Frosted Flakes are making to finally bring sports to young scholars charter school in Philadelphia when they're finally able to return to class. So for the win, the question was asked, how have you been, how have you and the family been holding up during quarantine? Shaq's response was, well, we've just been following protocol, staying safe. I've been spending a lot of valuable time with my boys. They're 23, 20, and 17. Just talking about life, talking about business. I haven't been able to spend this much time with them actually ever. I'm getting some good time with them. So basically, Shaq has been getting some good family time with uh, his boys. And it's probably some well-deserved time spent. So, when it came to asking him how surreal it would be for there not to be NBA basketball being played right now, he said it's hard, but kudos to Adam Silver for taking that first step and thinking about the safety of the people and the players. He says, I don't know what's going to happen with the remainder of the season, but I would like everybody to be safe. So, however long it takes for us to get 100% back to normal, I'm willing to wait. He goes on and says, it matters because looking at the fans starts your adrenaline. Let's just say I'm playing on the road. I need to look at that one fan that make, that's making that's making faces at me. He says, I need to look at that one fan that laughs at me when I miss a free throw. I need to look at that one fan that's holding up the opposing sign. I also need to look at that kid that looks at his dad when I look at him and says, oh, my God, Shaq just looked at me. They make us who we are. And then you have to say, OK, we're going to play in an arena with just us trainers. We're just us trainers, the camera guys and the media guys. What if one person gets sick and there's nobody? All it takes is one person after the game. You still got to go home. What if one person gets sick? Then we start from zero again. So that's Shaq's take on the NBA season starting up. And there's a lot more that I'm reading basically based out of this interview for the win. So 
the other question was asked of him, do you think it's possible or reasonable to still have an NBA season at this point? And here's where it gets interesting. He says, I think we should scrap the season. Everybody go home, get healthy, come back next year. Just scrap the season. Just scrap it. To try and come back now and do a rush playoffs as a player, any team that wins this year, there's an asterisk. They're not going to get the respect. What if a team that's not really in the mix of things all of a sudden wins with a new playoff format? Nobody's going to respect that, so scrap it. Worry about the safety of the fans and the people. Come back next year. <clears throat> so, that's one of his takes. He was later asked, as a comparator, do you think some of the players would be upset if the season were to just be canceled? He says, look... I understand how players are feeling. I really do. But any team that gets it done this year, there's going to be an asterisk on that championship. So, Shaq is very adamant about the season just being scrapped. Uh, Me personally... If it comes back, it comes back. If it don't, it's been on hold all this time. I'm really not going to miss it. If you ask me what I miss most, I miss the college game more than I miss the pro game. That's that's me personally. I mean, I'm about the only time I really get in tune with the pro game is like everybody else during the playoffs. Of course, prior to the season stopping, the regular season was somewhat interesting. I mean, you had the drama in L.A. with the Clippers and the Lakers. I would say you had the uh, battle for L.A. dominance. And the Lakers were somewhat getting their mojo, but the Clippers were also getting their mojo. So it would have been interesting. And then they're talking about doing seedings for the playoffs, which means you could possibly, if they start the season, there's a possibility that in the finals, based on the seedings, you could end up with an all-LA final. So I guess there's some pros and some cons, but one of the things that was a drawback for me was, they are talking about when they get to the final teams, I guess final four to final other teams, then there's going to be seven-game series. Pardon me, I'm kind of old school, so you have to forgive me. But what happened to the best of three, best of five, then the best of seven? Plain and simple. That's why the season seems to always drag even into the month of June, because you're once the playoffs start, it's always about the seven-game series, seven-game series. No, shorten that back down. Let's get back to the way it was. By the time we get to the finals, Whoever team make it, and let's say both teams happen to play a seven-game series leading to that. Now, I know these guys are world-class athletes. They're well-conditioned, but come on, let's be real. You play a seven-game playoff series, then you play in the championship series, and this is a seven-game series. Somebody's going to be gassed. Somebody's going to be gassed, seriously. Not everybody has the stamina and the world-class body of uh, LeBron James.
So, no, I do not like, I don't mind the seedings, but I don't like the format of each series being best of seven. That's, to me, that's just overkill. When they went to that, to me, I thought it was overkill. I like, I'm, I'm more traditional when it comes to that. I think you should go back to the best of three, then the best of five, then the best of seven. Then the championship game will have more meaning to it to me. That's my thoughts personally. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, probably talk a little bit of NFL. Okay, as I promised, I'll be back, and uh, we're going to uh, talk a little NFL, look at some of the off-season moves. And uh, as of right now, I'm going to go ahead and dive into this talking about Cowboys franchise tag quarterback Dak Prescott at $33 million, And that comes with a grade of an A. Basically, the Cowboys need to get their placeholder in before the tag deadline. Although it seems Prescott and the team should have had a deal by now, this buys time into the summer and give him his bank-breaking long-term deal. He's their unquestioned franchise QB for many more seasons. Dallas simply got an extension on the extension until July 15th. So now the question is, will Dallas, will Dak come to an agreement? When We know that the Cowboys want to give him a five-year deal. Dak wants a four-year deal so he can test the free agency market again. If you remember last season, they played the same game with Ezekiel Elliott minus the franchise tag. And they didn't get a deal done until the last minute. So could we possibly be looking at the same thing? And a deal is going to be inked at the midnight hour. As it stands right now, there's a $33 million franchise tag placed on Dak. Dak is not participating in virtual workouts. So that's said to be an eyesore. Is it really hurting him? I mean, there's a difference between virtual workouts and actual workouts, I do believe. I'm pretty sure Dak is doing some type of workouts, though. Uh, some say he hasn't developed his chemistry yet with the new coach, but the offensive coordinator is still the same, so it's not too much probably is going to change philosophy-wise, maybe just a few tweaks here and there. Is this hurting the team? It's hard to tell right now. But I will say this. A deal needs to get done, and I believe a deal will get done. It's just going to happen at the midnight hour. Buccaneers signed Tom Brady for two years, $50 million. That graded out to be a grade of an A. Basically, Brady finds a perfect fit in free agency as the Bucs go all in on trying to get to the Super Bowl in the short term. The weapons, coaching, and support system are all strong for the GOAT. He has a great chance to rebound at age 42 and lead Tampa Bay to big things. 
not to mention the weapons that Brady has. And one of the things that was frustrating to Brady his last few years in New England was the fact that they really didn't get him any weapons at all. I mean, yes, Julian Edelman was reliable, but Julian Edelman even went through some injuries. Gronk, he was having some injuries. So much so Gronk even retired and didn't play last year. But now Gronk is probably rejuvenated. And even if he's not the Gronk that people remember him to be, just him being out there in that field, even if it's a decoy, and you're looking at the wide receiver and core that Tampa Bay has, and they also have a nice tight end as well, too, an offensive line, especially when they drafted Christian Wirtz. That offensive line is vastly improved. I mean, look at it this way. If they can provide Jameis Winston protection to throw 30 touchdowns and 30-plus interceptions, my goodness, you know, you can talk about Tom Brady not being a gunslinger and not throwing the ball deep. Tom Brady didn't have the weapons in New England that he had, that he's going to have here in Tampa Bay, outside the fact that they had Randy Moss. And we've seen when he had Randy Moss, he could throw the deep pass. He just haven't had to throw it because he haven't had the deep weapons. So it'd be interesting to see what this team does. Now, some say there's a lack of a running game for Tampa Bay. I think it'd be the run, the passing attack that's going to set up the running game regardless who's back there taking the handoff from Tom Brady. So the running game just made to be decent. And at best, if you need, if need be, if you get into a situation where you have to just play ball control, just grind out a few yards here and there. Keep the ball from the opposition. Next, Indianapolis coach signed quarterback Phillip Rivers for a one-year $25 million deal. That got them a grade of a B. The Colts get their upgrade from Jacoby Brissett. I still think that's a travesty in an older NC State product. Rivers 38 reunites with Coach Frank Wright and offensive coordinator Rick Seriana, Seriani, his former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from the Chargers. Indianapolis will remain a run-heavy team, and the goal will try to get Rivers back to efficiency. He inherits a much better offensive line and power him. The Colts need to revamp their receiving core. So, it is what it is. There should be some – I don't know if there's any good receivers on the market, but if they don't revamp that receiving core, regardless of how heavy their run game is going to be, if you don't have nothing to keep – if you don't have no passing attack to keep things honest, they can just stack eight and nine in the box and dare you to run the ball every time and just stop you. Vikings extend quarterback Kirk Cousins for two years through 2022. That got them a grade of an A. I'm just going to say this before I even read the notes. Minnesota fans need to stop bashing on Kirk Cousins. Y'all didn't like him when he got there. Y'all haven't really rallied around him, and I get it. You guys were used to Sam Bradford. Uh... Y'all had another quarter. Y'all had a three-headed monster quarterback. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's in New Orleans. He was one of the most loved quarterbacks. 
Kirk Cousins proved that when you put the right weapons around him, he can be very effective. So Minnesota fans, give the guy a break. I mean, Cousins is coming off of an exceptional career best playoff season and was worthy to secure his future in Minnesota beyond the 2020 season. The Vikings couldn't afford to mess around with the rumors of the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan possibly having more interest in signing Cousins next offseason. So what they do, a two-year deal. Saints re-signed QB Drew Brees for two years, $50 million. You knew this was coming again to keep Brees attached to Sean Payton. The only difference is Taysom Hill is his clear backup now with Teddy Bridgewater gone. Uh, update, they also have Jameis Winston there now. So I don't see Taysom Hill being the number two guy. That will probably fall into the hands of a Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston couldn't find himself in a better situation to be behind a surefire Hall of Famer like a Drew Brees. Now he can see work work ethic in at his best for the next two years. And if need be, be ready to go to work if should something happen. Carolina Panthers signed QB Teddy Bridgewater for three years, $63 million. Basically, they got him dirt cheap. The Cam Newton era is officially over after the team invested a moderate amount to make Bridgewater the new starter. The good news, it is a cost-effective situation for a rebuilding roster that still provides QB draft flexibility. The bad news, the high floor of the move comes with a low-passing ceiling. So you got a new quarterback, and you also have a new coach. That is not usually the recipe for success. We'll just have to wait and see. Titans re-signed QB Ryan Tannehill for four years, $118 million. Tannehill proved to be the perfect fit for the Titans' run-heavy offense once he replaced Marcus Mariota. Thanks to his strong play, action, passing, and athleticism. Keeping that intact was better than looking for outside help in free agency or the draft. The price tag was high, including the $62 million guarantee, but he still can give them plenty more solid years going into age 32. Bears trade fourth-round pick for Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles. This got them a grade of D. The Jaguars eat a lot of dead money, but get out of playing Foles more. The Bears restructured Foles' deal, but it is still a very questionable move just to try to displace Mitchell Trubisky when there are many safer, either high reward or low risk contingencies, including the 2020 draft class. So, Chicago is not getting no love for this one. And I'm not sure this is a good ideal situation for Nick Foles. I think, seriously, his better days were actually in Philadelphia. There is still some dissension in Philadelphia 
that even Carson Wentz is not the most popular guy in the locker room and that they want to erect a shrine up for Nick Foles because he was the one that got them that Super Bowl. Falcons signed running back Ty Gurley for one year, $5 million, grade B-. minus. The Falcons dumped Devontae Freeman to save cap space, only to grab another veteran, durability risk of a former highest paid NFL running back. So, it still got them a grade of a B-, minus. but the question is, did you really get an improvement? Yes, you dumped Freeman to save cap space, but is Ty Gurley going to be healthy enough? It was obvious there were some issues with Ty Gurley when he was with the Rams. The reason he wasn't touching the ball that much, why come he wasn't playing that much? I said it on a radio show that he was damaged goods. A caller called in, tried to chew me up one side and down the other, but I stuck to my guns. If Gurley wasn't damaged goods, why wasn't he playing? They were disclosing his injuries. He has some nagging injuries. And when you did them leg injuries and you're still trying to play during the season, it will not heal fast. He needed rest that he didn't get. Basically, they load manage without load managing. Broncos sign. Disgruntled running back Melvin Gordon for two years, $16 million. This was a grade of C. Denver was in the market to get a seasoned power back to reduce Philip Lindsay to more of an undersized change of pace in Pat Schumer's outside zone, heavy spread-based rushing attack. The Broncos paid quite a bit for Gordon to take him from the division rival Chargers, who were just fine with featuring Austin Eakler. I think for Denver, Melvin Gordon is an upgrade. He will take pressure off of a young quarterback. And this just might be the difference between whatever they won last year and maybe a couple of more wins because at least you have a proven veteran running back in the backfield, one who can still play the game. I think Denver hit a home run on this one. I'd be watching for them in that AFC West division. Cowboys resigned wide receiver Amari Cooper for five years, $100 million. You notice there's a thing. They want to sign Dak five years. They signed Amari for five years. The Cowboys were pretty confident they could pay Cooper what he wanted and even took less from them than the rival Redskins to keep playing in their prolific offense and keep up his chemistry with Prescott. As usual, Jerry Jones overpaid a little still, but nonetheless, with Cooper extended, it's easier to agree to terms with Prescott long-term at some point in the summer. So basically, this deal was pretty much about, like, look, Prescott, this is what we did for Cooper. Now, we need you to get on board. We're in this five years, okay? We got your receiver locked in. Now, we need you to lock in. Here's the one that was an eye raiser. Cardinals trade for Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and fourth round pick. 
can I ask one question? What in the hell were the Texans thinking? You get rid of one of the premier wide receivers in the league to go along with a deadly athletic quarterback, and now you take that away from him? This was a grade of an A for the Cardinals. It says the pressure was on Steve Kime to have a big offseason for the Cardinals, and he started with a bang. He dumped Johnson's massive salary after making sure Drake was in place for next season and got Kyler Murray's new go-to guy with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk sliding into high-level complimentary roles. Cliff Kingsbury will have fun designing big plays all over the field with Hopkins's smooth route running reliability. May I also add to that, I think they've just extended Larry Fitzgerald beyond this season. Texans, shame on you. Uh, should this season start and be played out, don't be surprised if the Cardinals make a run at the playoffs. Don't be surprised. So what did the Texans end up doing? And I'm going to take a break after this. Texans trade second-round pick for Rams wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Houston got desperate for a lesser replacement for Hopkins instead of simply attacking a strong draft class of wideouts. But at least Bill O'Brien realized the need for a big outside playmaker to appease Deshaun Watson as Cooks now flanks Will Fuller and Randall Cobb. From the Rams' perspective, they cleared another big contract from the books after parting ways with Gurley, but at a high dead money, $21.8 million cost. So now here's what the Houston Texans have for Hopkins to work with. I mean, for Deshaun Watson to work with. Will Fuller. Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks. No DeAndre Hopkins. What a questionable move. Hope it works out. But if I'm Texans fan, I'm calling for Bill O'Brien's job after this season if it doesn't work out. I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) 